Brandon Lawrence, joined as usual by Steve Sample, and today we were lucky enough to talk to Ashley Bartholomew, who was a PACU nurse converted to a frontline ICU nurse turned to a med Twitter legend. I also was fortunate enough to get to edit together this amalgamation with four different attempts to try to connect. Due to Steve's complete inability to simultaneously have his camera, headphones, and mic working, Ashley's computer malfunctioning, and me forgetting the most critical part of the entire process, hitting record, this was a total shit show. Blooper reel at the end, where Ashley B is talking to herself with no one else on the line. Okay, I'm Ashley Bartholomew. I'm a registered nurse in El Paso, Texas. Awesome. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the show uh, for you. the second or third time today. Um, so we've been talking kind of in a in a uh, series um, this year called Burnt, really talking about stories of 2020 and how how uh, basically f- fucked up the, the whole year was. Um, and we found you on Twitter. You are Twitter famous. Uh, you had your moment at least, like some of us do in the sun, and I saw you on the news several times. Um, tell us a little bit about you and how we ended up talking today. So go back to 2019, pre-pandemic. Tell us where you were about your family and uh, what happened from there. Okay, so 2019 pre-pandemic, um, <clears throat> that summer we moved to El Paso, Texas, where we currently um, live. We're moving this summer to Tampa, Florida. Um, yeah, so moved to El Paso. I started in the OR um, after having been home for a couple of years with the kids, but uh, you know, I got my RN in 2011. I was an LPN for like a year before that, um, and then before that was in the Air Force, Um as well. Uh, oh, I so, didn't know you were ex-military. I know. Yeah, I'm still. I've been in 20 years this May uh, of the Air Force and Air National Guard. That's awesome. Yeah, so I just did my four years of active duty and then um, got out. I was dental when I was in, um, so pretty much the girliest job ever. I was a dental technician in the Air Force. <laughs> Great. Right. <laughs> um, military adjacent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, you're the guard, so you can't talk too much shit, right? Um, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, my God, this is going to go full Marines and shit in here in a second. <laughs> no, don't ask me to do a push-up. Um, so, so, yeah, I did my four years in the Air Force um, and kind of, like, you know, thought about, like, going, like, to – either dental hygiene school or maybe even dental school, something like that. And then I was like, ah, it's just teeth. This is boring. Um, no offense, dental Twitter, Twitter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I had the chance to work in the OR when I was stationed overseas um, as a dental technician. And that's kind of where I, um, you know, in the military, you get to do things um, differently than you do in civilian. So got to start IVs. And when I was in surgery, I got to, you know, learn how to do a Foley catheter and stuff like that. And so I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Um, and then long story short, once I uh, was close to my four years, I got a full ride scholarship to nursing school and got accepted in addition to my GI bill. Um, and so then I was like, oh, well, I'm set. Like, this Nice. You're rolling yeah. in the dough. Yeah. No, awesome. Hardly. So, um, so yeah, went to nursing school and then my, my husband and um, we've moved around a lot. Um, in the past, uh, 
12 years that we've been together. We've been married for 10 years this, this summer. Um, so yeah, that's how we kind of like came to El Paso. Um, he's air force. And, uh, once the kids were like kind of at an age where they're going to school and stuff, I thought, okay, I'll go back to work. And that's how I landed in the OR. Yeah, but this was a different kind of OR. You haven't worked in this kind of OR before, right? Yeah, the differences between hospital systems you've been at before and now this new one that you sign up for in what turns out to be right before the outbreak of the pandemic. So the big difference was um, this was the first for-profit system I had worked for. And um, unfortunately, uh, when you move a lot, you don't know the dirty little secrets that other people know about the local hospitals. And um, <laughs> I went into basically a, you know, a very corporate for-profit mindset. And that is very different than um, like a teaching or community hospital where I've previously been and where I'm working currently now. Um, and so what that looks like is a lot of, you know, cutting corners, lack of evidence-based practice, lack of shared governance, where, you know, we bring nurses to the table to have those discussions on what it looks like for patient outcomes. Um, and stuff like that is very important to me because, um, you know, like I said before, when I thought we were already recording. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, it's, uh, it, it's really hard because as I think as nurses as um, nursing and its own aspect of like, you know, like we're our own profession, we have our own identity. And so if they just wanted to, you know, train, you know, a monkey to bring it back, bring patients back to the OR, they could do that. But if you want someone with critical thinking skills, who's highly skilled, knowledgeable, and going to look at all of these things and how they would affect the patient before we rush back to surgery, um, then that's where, you know, nursing comes in. And, um, and a lot of that was not into play and it was already kind of frustrating. Um, and this is pre pandemic, pre pandemic. So pre pandemic, we had travelers where I was working. Um, that's a red flag. We had an interim, uh, OR director, which is a travel nurse as an OR director. That was a big red flag. That's a, that's a little nuts. Yeah. Is a big red flag. So Ashley saw the red flags, but so, so Ashley, just for everyone else, why is that a red flag yeah. that, staffed by mostly travelers um because if if you're not retaining nurses there is a reason why ding so there you go right especially because you're in a you're in a decent sized city right Right. like i mean we use travelers occasionally but i'm very rural and it's sometimes it's just a numbers thing you know uh but in a big town you ought not to primarily rely on people coming in from out of state Exactly. Right. El Paso is an 800,000, 800,000 population. There's, there's not a shortage of nurses here. If, if you wanted to seek them out. Uh-huh. Right. So now the pandemic hits, mm-hmm. um, hits coastally at least. I mean, you know, El Paso, you, I suspect that you were later in the game than New York, Seattle and all that stuff as well. Um, so as you're watching that come, how do the business practices change at your hospital? What's going on with your gear, your PPE and all that shit? Right. So again, this was my former employer, which I was with for about 13 months. Um, and not my current employer. I love where I currently am. Um, but my previous employer, uh, when the pandemic hit, 
they basically, we closed down surgery and, um, I just stayed home with the kids for a couple weeks or whatever. And once they got their authorization to open back up, they did. And I was texting the director because several people were asking me like, Oh, what do you think about this? Cause unfortunately another sign of a toxic system is a lack of nurses with experience. And so everybody looked at me like, well, you've been a nurse for almost 10 years. Tell us what to do. And meeting all my colleagues who are all new grads, you know, within one or two years and have only been there at that one hospital and only in OR. And um, I'm like, I don't know. Don't know that grass is actually greener, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, I don't know, guys, it's kind of fucked up, you know, (laughs) keep that out i don't know are we explicit i don't know oh steve yeah steve curses like a sailor oh we're totally explicit yeah yeah i'm like i'm naked from the waist down right now that's how i got my 10 10 yeah right i learned that if i if you've ever seen me on tv it's always bare below the below the shirt stay relaxed (laughs) you got the winnie the pooh outfit on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right right yeah so um yeah so i texted her um like our director saying like hey i haven't worked um you know since we closed down what are we doing as far as like ppe um or masks or you know are we wearing respirators and 95 and she's like no just a regular mask and i was like yeah i'm not okay with that and she's like why we're testing everyone and then i was like uh Okay, still not okay with that. And then she's like, well, I was on a phone call with corporate and division. Like, she used that as her scientific evidence. I'm like, yeah, oh, warning. With, well, with but the, the worst part of that is we didn't have any scientific evidence. We didn't know what needed to be done. So why would we underdo it? So, like, at the time we were concerned about our, our level of testing, our efficacy in testing, our efficacy in masks, even N95s. Yes. And then they're giving yeah, man. I spent I spent mask. three months convinced that I was going to die from this thing. Like, yeah, I, mean, I was in a funk, you know. Yeah, so what? We're May first, twenty twenty one. Right now, we know so much more, um, and we still don't know what we don't know. Um, right. Compared to May first of twenty twenty, we were still like, "Whoa, we really don't know." You know that? I mean, that's back when we thought we should put everybody on a ventilator. And so right. I even said that in my text. Yep. I didn't post that on Twitter, but I said that. I said. Well, you know, we could do optimal PPE, which would be an N95, or we could go regular, which would be a high risk as if we're not changing our practice to match the global pandemic. And like, didn't get it. And I was like, all right, I will go. Here comes Ashley Polk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, uh, that was on a Friday and I came into work on Monday and the patients were being prepped and stuff. Um, first patient of the day was a, you know, an elective like shoulder scope, basically. We'll say that. Um, the patient was tested on Friday, but the results still said pending. The other patient was ready to go, but they were second in line. And that other OR was ready. And the surgeon was like, oh, just switch the rooms. And then maybe those results will come through. No big deal. And um, I said, yeah, like I would feel a lot more comfortable to that. And this director just pops in and she's like, well, doc, it can be your discretion. So we can just roll back. Go ahead. Roll back now, Ashley. And I was like, no, that, that's not happening. Because one, you have to think of it. It's not just me. Like now I'm putting my entire team at risk. Now there's surgical techs. There's, you know, my 
50-year-old anesthesia tech who, I don't know, makes $10 an hour and hardly speaks English um, that's at risk. There's every pharmacy person, lab, x-ray, everyone. Like, why would you do that? And um, I, I was just like, no, I, I, we're, we're not going to do that. And so she, you know, threatened me, intimidated me, tried to write me up, all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I'm such a square and such a goody two shoes. I've never been in trouble in my entire life, you know? Um, never like bad trouble. Like the good trouble, like fun, right? But right. Eh, come on. And um, to me, it was very black and white, like ethics, morals, like why would you want to jeopardize your your people? Um, and uh, yeah, so we protested. We had to go to the union and we protested. And that's how we got in 95s. And um, before they were like, oh, well, you can ask for an N95, but you still have to have your patient in the room on time. Well, you ask for an N95 and then it takes them 45 minutes to bring it to you, then you're not going to be in the OR at 7 a.m. So um, we kind of told them like, no, you need to have the PV at the front desk. So there's not like a big ordeal. And it As was interesting. Of being locked up like your children that are going to. Yeah, instead of like it being locked up and a whole like, oh, well, now I'm like the one weirdo and like people are feeling anxious and stuff. And, and it was interesting to me because, you know, as a, I'll say as a white middle upper class woman, I had the ability to stand up and, and fight back. And all of the people that whispered to me um, that week and the months coming later um, said, wow, thank you so much because I was really scared and I have to keep my job and I have to have health insurance, but I'm taking care of my, you know, 77 year old mother and I don't want to bring it home to her, but right. I don't, right. I, I can't get fired. And in El Paso, it's very different. You have um, a, a lot of uh, different dynamics in our city here than you do in other places. And so people are fearful of, you know, like, well, what if I uh, stand up and then they know my name and, you know, they go after my family members who, you know, depending on status and all that. Um, right. What if uh, like I lose my job and then that was like my one, you know, I'm here on a working visa or whatever. And so the corporations know that. And unfortunately that's a whole nother just disgusting aspect, which I didn't comprehend until I lived here. And so I learned a lot. Um, thankfully, we got the PPE and uh, we we fought it, but it wasn't without cost. I mean, it did kind of make me question myself a lot um, because, you know, you start, they start to kind of make you think you're crazy. It's a little bit of like an abusive relationship. I don't know. Gaslighting. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so, how far into this are we then? So this all started when you went back to the OR in May-ish. Is this yes. going through like months of oh. back and forth? And so oh, yeah. every day is a struggle and a fight? Yeah. And then there's like, you know, paper trails because I'm like sending emails like, oh. Uh, oh, they hated you so much. So, <laughs> so much they hated you. They yeah. do not like that squeaky wheel, especially yeah. in a big uh, corporate type uh, system. So. Yeah. So when did you say, screw it, I'm blowing you guys up and uh, bail? So uh, that was about October, early October. I put in my two weeks notice. We, um, I thought that we were going to be relocating to the Pentagon, to D.C. in December, and um, like early December. And then so early October, I'm like, hey, um, you know, my last day is going to be like, it was going to be like October 28th or something like that, which sounds weird. It was like a Tuesday or something, but nurses work weird days. Like I don't sure. have emergency medicine. So it's like, okay, I'll, you know, I have like however many weeks left on this schedule. 
And I go to work that Monday before my last day. And it was like, like I said, like October 28th or something. And everyone and their mom comes out of the woodwork, all the people that hate me probably. Um, but by then I'm just like smug with my N95 looking at them like, <laughs> bye bitches. I'm going to DC. Yeah. All right. Like, I'm like, mm, say whatever you want. I don't care. I won clearly. Um, and, uh, they're like, we're shutting the OR down. We're turning pre-op and PACU into ICUs. All of you will be redeployed throughout the hospital to the ER, the ICU, the pop-up shop ICUs, basically is what I call them, and the COVID floors. And I was like, oh my God, these people. And so I thought, okay, that's cool. And then um, I went, I was sent to Maine ICU. Um, and and that, I, that was with two weeks left? No, 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 no. This was after my oh, two okay. weeks. Like my what? last day at work. Um, and I was like, holy shit, because every patient was COVID. Every patient was like so sick. There was not enough staff. And there was just like a bunch of travel nurses that were literally just showed up, like literally got off of a, like a travel bus. It looked like, and they all came in in like black scrubs, all in like the same uniform from FEMA and everything. And like came in and we were like, uh, and they were like, uh, what do we do? Because, you know, travel nurses are great and I love them and they saved our ass. But there's something about the core staff where, you know, I'm the one that already has access to Pixis. I'm the one who already ha- who knows how to get meds. I have phone numbers memorized in my head of like, call this, call the house supervisor, do this. Here's this, you know, even though ICU wasn't my department, I was familiar enough with our systems in place where, I could help a lot of the travel nurses be more efficient, if that makes sense. And I was like, damn, like, this is bad. There was a real bet. There was a huge gap between when stuff got really bad in El Paso and before the, the staff that they sent were like fully ready to take care of patients. Right. It doesn't matter how good you are. You've got to spend, yeah, there's, there's an uptake time before you really get to start rolling. Yeah. I mean, you just need bodies. You, you need people that know how to do shit, you know? Right. So there I was in ICU and I was like, Oh my God, like, this is so bad. And so I said, okay, I'll stay another four weeks. Like, but send me to the same department every day because don't send me to the main ICU one day and then send me to ER next day because I'm not going to be as efficient and people are what? fucking dying. And so send me to main ICU. So what that's you right. That decision though, with the way, I mean, the way you had already been treated and you already so, had elsewhere, like what went into that? That's interesting that you asked because a big part of that was, is that the surgical services director that I did not like and who, um, not that I didn't like her. I hate to say it like that because it sounds bad. Because like here I sounds am, like you're a corporate lackey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that person um, was was gone on FMLA. We'll say we'll say it due to due to something, um, and so she was not there. And so our OR manager, who had started in like May or so, I was. I had a better relationship with him and felt more okay. Um, and, and kind of things were better from August when she was gone until November. Um, when I finally left the end of November, when I finally left, if that makes sense. 
Got it. So is yeah, it, is totally. It Plus, you're a human being who is watching fellow human beings suffer, right? I mean, that's, exactly. I mean, th- these big companies will play on our. I mean, we're we all have at least we should at least have a small altruistic streak and a so you know, um, it's our calling and our dedication and our profession. So when people are suffering, it's hard not to be present for it and exactly. to help where you can. Yeah. yeah. And you know, another thing that did cross my mind, and I don't know if I've really actually like said this. Um, but we moved here in June of 19 and I was not working. Um, the shooting that happened at Walmart in El Paso uh, mm-hmm. happened August 3rd of 2019 and I wasn't working and I felt helpless and I felt like, right. oh my God, if I was working, I would have been there. Hold on one second. Mad shooting I, in El Paso. I mean, I really thought to myself, well, shit, I'm not working. Oh. I really wish that I was. Um, because I, I could be, I could be utilized right now and I'm here at home, not being utilized. Right. And I quickly thought to myself, like, man, if COVID gets bad here and I quit and I'm not working, I'm going to have those same feelings. Um, but in a different way, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, you know, not that I, I don't know. I've, I've always found things like this, like the big shootings and stuff for, for healthcare employees employees and physicians and nurses it's almost like when you watch something go down you feel like you're supposed to be there uh this is what i do it's almost like you know you want like when they call for severe weather i feel like i need to go outside and see if i can spot the funnel cloud right uh and it's just like participating and and being part of it is is huge we talked to uh josh uh mugle early on and you know he went to new york as a headhunter uh for for covid and i wanted to do that but I was also like, I'm a small shop in the Middle West. I was like, if COVID hits here when I'm gone, we're screwed, you know. So um, it's it's just a weird, it's a weird yeah, mindset. I, I think I yeah. listened to that episode, like running towards the fire or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 So Ebola, maybe COVID, starting yeah. a new residency program. He's a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's what it is. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I just thought, and then once I stepped into the ICU that day before my last scheduled um, day of work. And I just saw firsthand, I was like, wow, they're so overwhelmed and I could help so much. And my colleagues, of course, like I mentioned, you know, they they hadn't been nurses. They hadn't been inpatient or anything other than ORs. A few of them have, but most have not. And so you just, you know, nurses are not plug and play, unfortunately. Um, corporate healthcare thinks that we are, but, you know, we're specialized and, you know, you pop an OR nurse into an ICU, they're not going to know what to do, myself included, um, or reverse that. You pop an ICU nurse into the OR, they're not going to, you know, it's not your specialty. Um, so what we did was the buddy system. And so basically the ICU nurses had three to four patients each, which is suboptimal. <laughs> That's very suboptimal. Um, Usually they have they have two, right? You'd have two max, especially COVID patients. Um, and so there I was. Um, I knew how to, you know, um, prone patients because OR we prone people all the time before COVID because people have back surgeries and you know butt surgeries mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, <laughs> sorry, we got to laugh a little. Or oh my god. Um, so butt surgery is prepared. Yeah, prepared. butt surgery, like, you know, the Brazilian butt lift. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I need one of those, actually. Uh, any plastic surgeons out there listening to this, please hit me up. <laughs> You've got yes. that old man butt where it's like a frog that just stands up straight. 
It's not, man. It's really, it's just no ass at all. It's like my back just continues straight down to a crack and then you jump <laughs> to the floor. It sucks. <laughs> it's so funny how do you how do you ride that peloton then steve it's gotta hurt your your sacrum quite a bit yeah i just it's all bone on (laughs) bone on soft tissue numbness man what's that you peloton dude yeah it actually has probably saved my life i'm in better physical shape now than i've probably ever been in my life i'm a lazy son of a bitch at 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 heart um i left to my own devices i will sit in front of the television with my phone in my hand until i stick to the couch so (laughs) (laughs) well brandon was telling me about he how he was deadlifting earlier so oh yeah he's sweet and young and sexy Oh no! The the story was I thought I was di- I thought I died. Uh, I, <laughs> you vagal out. I picked, I picked up the weight and massive headache, almost passed out. I'm like, this is it. I'm I'm gonna die in the garage by myself. Yeah. No one's gonna find me for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you stayed on there in, until November. Yeah. Um, and this is actually a longer, I, I'm glad I'm talking to you because this is all taking place over a longer period of time than I sort of perceived it when you came on my radar, basically. And it was kind of sudden and it was all of a sudden, Ashley Bartholomew, you are in and she's on Good Morning America or whatever you're on. I mean, you're like all over TV and, and uh, you're all over the internet. How did that happen? What, what happened? Um, so that was weird. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, not weird. I mean, it was good, but I was definitely busier the last, the two weeks after I quit my job than I was like a week prior. Um, because whew, everybody wanted a zoom interview and I'm like, guys, I have three kids. You want me to hide in my minivan in my garage? Yeah. Like, come on. Um, so my last day there was in the COVID ICU. I'd been in COVID ICU for a few weeks and I was checking all the blood sugars on the unit because again, I was a buddy nurse. That was a simple task I could do. And you, know, you still have to put on all the crap. You're still going in and, you know, um, assessing the patient kind of, you know, see what's going on and then checking the, the glucose and pretty much everybody had a glucose because everybody's on decks. So everybody's sugars are crazy. And, um, here with the population, there's a lot of diabetes. Um, so a guy was in there and it was when we we're being, um, hit the hardest and, Fox News was on, of course, and he said, oh, 10 more freezer trucks being sent to El Paso. I bet it's all fake news. Like, there's no way that it's this bad. And I was like, excuse me, look like, around you. Like, is there Ashton hiding somewhere? Because like, <laughs> um, and at first I thought like, OK, he's, he's clearly confused. Like, this is not a, a straight thinking person. And then I was like, I talked to him a little more and Stephanie was like, no, um, like I, it's just a flu. I should have taken my zinc, my vitamin C. Vitamin D. Um, okay. We're still dealing I, with that shit. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and this is like third week of November. So politics are big, are, right? Oh, like, shit, oh God. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just like, you know, this fucking sucks basically i didn't say that but i just thought to myself like all right screw it this is my last shift um you're gonna learn today let's talk fine (laughs) and uh and like i'm typically not like that because again i'm a military spouse so i'm i need to i'm gonna have to get another job i can't burn bridges every you know two years or whatever and um i just thought okay like this is crazy you you you're gonna you're gonna grasp this, and so I 
I just looked at him and I was like, no, uh, you're the only person I've even talked to today of the 25 rooms I've been in. And then he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, that's why you're being transferred to the floor because you're doing so well. You're, you're an outlier. You're in the COVID ICU. And he, and he just like, was like, Whoa, okay. Like somebody finally just set him straight. And um, he was like, well, has it really been that bad? Have a lot of people died? (laughs) And that's when I said like, dude, I've been a nurse for 10 years and I've seen more people die in the past two weeks than I have in my entire career combined. Like just awful. Three, four people a shift. I mean, awful. And, um, and then, and that's when I cried. I'm about to cry now. Um, it's because it was just so overwhelming to me in the moment. Like I'm there, I, you know, I have on like the shitty plastic gowns that make you sweat because we ran out of the good ones months ago. Um, you know, an N95, a face shield, glasses, the whole ordeal. And here's this guy that just is like, you know, believing whatever Trumpism that's coming out. And I'm negating your reality. I mean, wow, we're really all screwed. We're like, we're all going to die. I was like, Oh my God. Um, and so I, I went out of the room and stuff, you know, and I apologized to him for like tearing up and he was like, no, I'm so sorry that that must be awful. I am really sorry. And, um, I went out of the room and stuff. And then later on, <laughs> we didn't have transporters at this, uh, hospital. If you can imagine why, you know, money. Right. um, and the nurse was like, Hey, can you, I already called report, but there was a few things I needed to tell the nurse. So can you bring, you know, you know, so-and-so up um, and then tell her, you know, X, Y, and Z, because I'm an RN and I can do that or whatever. And, you know, the tech couldn't. So I was like, okay, yeah. So I bring him out and I'm wheeling him through the ICU and I'm like, oh, just, we're going to slow roll it. We're yeah. Gonna- Let him look around and take it all in. Um, and he saw like all the the glass rooms and the chaos of the unit and people proned and on ECMO and on vents and, uh, the dread of, you know, you can feel when a unit is in a bad spot, even as a patient, you can feel that. Um, and so he was really quiet and we rode up the elevator and he was like, wow, I'm really sorry. Like I was wrong. I thought that it was all just being overblown and now I realize, and I'm really sorry. And I was like, it's okay. Um, he's like, well, I'm going to tell everybody that I know that like, no, this is serious. And I was like, yeah, you should. Um, and I was like, I'm going to tell everybody I know too. Um, and I was like, I, you know, hope that you do well. And yeah. how's that? And honestly, I didn't tweet about it intentionally because a lot of times I rapid fire tweet, even today, what I was talking about with the corporate medicine thing or not corporate healthcare thing. And uh, just, disgusting corporations, you know, abusing employees. I, I sometimes I rapid fire tweet without even really like thinking too much about stuff. And even talking to you guys today, I was like, Oh, well, glad it was kind of last minute or whatever. I wasn't really about it because I don't want to self critique too much where I like edit myself out of being authentic. And so um, I waited a few days though, because I was so pissed off. I and nobody likes an angry nurse. And I thought, I don't want to say something that I'm going to regret. Um, 
and it just be out there. And so I waited a few days and then I rapid fire tweeted it. And now I wish I could go back and edit because there's like a lot of like, um, great typo issues. And I'm like, ah, I was probably like just throwing snacks at my kid and kids and just like rapid tweeting. And now you're viral in the height of a viral on top of a viral. Yeah. I, I feel you a little bit. Um, I have spent time crafting like these, what I felt like were really profound thoughts and they literally get thrown out there and they sink like a rock to the bottom of the ocean and shit that I've done two bourbons in with my ambient done right before I go to bed will completely explode while I sleep, you know, uh, full of grammatical errors and stuff. But I think people recognize like just from the gut kind of, you know, and you know the 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 way social media works, it's a matter of that one or two people with like a ten bajillion followers who like focus, and then all of a sudden it goes sideways, you know. Um, and so now all of a sudden everybody's contacting you. You're you're like a, I mean, I probably saw you. I mean, I'm in Indiana. I probably saw you on TV at least three or four times. Just just flipping. It seems like right. I mean, it feels yeah. like that. Um, I mean. I don't know. It's like weird for me to like rattle off, like, Oh, listen, to, listen to what I did. Yeah. Uh, because I don't like think of it like that. And in the time I was so broken, I, you know, I was still like kind of dramatized. I, I, I mean, I don't know if I still am. Um, but yeah, uh, like today show and like good morning America. And then uh, were the big ones. And then, um, MSNBC, uh, was a big one too. Um, uh-huh. And then I got invited for CNN for Don Lemon and got canceled because of Trump, which the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, those getting bumped for it's a pain in the ass uh, setting up. Uh, I, I've been bumped several times for breaking news. I, the most I got in, I was already checked in. I had all my notes. I had my computer set up and I had already checked in sound. And then this press conference just kept going and going and going. They were like, I'm so sorry, doc. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, it's fine. Yeah. 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 So that's calmed down some. Yeah. Are you still doing a ton of TV spots or no? Um, No, not so much. I mean, I still get a random thing here or there that I'll say yes to. And, um, you know, it just, it just depends on kind of the outlet or what they're wanting, um, you know, me to talk about. I've learned a lot um, since then. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I was contacted recently, um, I guess, yeah, that was more recent. Um, like the New York times story was more recent and I did that, but it was right. you know, a nurse who writes a column for them. Um, and so I was comfortable with her. And then, um, there's something I'm working on with, um, kind of like healthcare workers in social media type of thing. And I think Ooh. that's kind of interesting because it kind of bridges the gap. And it was kind of unexpected for me. It's not like I really planned to like be some voice, you know, for nurses or anything, but here I am and I'm talkative as hell. So might as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes an opera, a door opens and you just sort of step through it and you let ride it until it, you know, you ride it until the ride stop. Yeah. I mean, so- it's obviously like a, like a, a space that, that desires to be heard. So here, like, right. I'll roll with it. I'm cool. Yeah, you you also like becoming a semi-public figure, you know, um, I've got a little bit of an idea about that. You know, I'm small town America and I became sort of a semi-public figure on MSNBC of all 
news stations during the pandemic. So, you know, in a hospital system who only is the only hospital system, and I know that they would just like for me to shut up, uh, you know, just shut up, <laughs> just shut up. Nobody wants a squeaky wheel, you know, down there. But uh, it's, so it's a it's a fine line that you walk when you're when you're very vocal on social media, especially when you put your face out there and your name in print and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, so I did MSNBC with um, Craig Melvin and Mm -hmm. it was great to talk to you. He was really cool. Um, I was so nervous. I was like, Oh my God, I need a beta blocker. Like I take a beta blocker every time, Ashley do it. 20 milligrams of propanolol now before you go on. I was talking to y'all. I'm like, Oh, I need tequila. Oh no, this is easy. (laughs) This is small potatoes. Live TV is live TV is terrifying. Uh, terrifying because I didn't talk to them beforehand, and people have all these misconceptions of the media too. Like everyone's yeah. like, "Ooh, now you're famous and you're rich now." I'm like, I haven't. You know what money I've been paid? I'm the hospital. Yeah, they they pay me in stress ulcers, and that's all. Um, at all. I'm like, in fact, my last hospital when I worked in COVID. And we're back. Technical difficulty. So I actually had to take a poop break, um, and she dropped off in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, my computer needed a poop break. We were apparently. we were trying to figure out we were trying to figure out exactly where we were in the conversation. So this is probably going to be a really awkward jump. Uh, but so awkward. Uh, yeah, yeah, how uh, editing but that. Right? authenticity yeah it was something about me blabbing about myself and then ashley saying something about herself and then uh and then it it pooped out but uh um when we were coming back we were talking a little bit about like the risk that we take in speaking out because you are you're going to be jumping from hospital to hospital here right now and you're sort of i mean I'm certain that your Q rating isn't like Tom Cruise or or Halle Berry or or whatever. I don't know where those names came from, but but <laughs> you, in the nursing community, that at least that's on social media, you're known. You're a known quantity now, right? And they so people know that you're not one to sit back and take bullshit. Uh, so I'm sure that causes some stress, knowing that you'll probably be jumping every three or four years with your husband's gig until he retires. Oh, every two years. Two years. <laughs> every other summer. Oh, nice. Is he is he special ops? Well, no, no. no. I was that's but, that's quick movement. Yeah, yeah. It there's a lot of careers that do that. Yeah, two years is quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did every yeah. we did every three when I was active duty, and that's a lot. Uh, for the guard. What's mm-hmm. that? The guard. No, when I was I was active duty for eight years, um, and oh. yeah, so we were stationed in San Antonio. I was in San Antonio. I trained there, and then I stayed on as a teaching attending for a couple of years, and then we took a slot in England uh, for three oh, years. Nice. Yeah, so, so you were at then? Uh, yeah, Wilford Hall. It's it's called SAMC oh. now. I think back then it was a combined yeah. program. Sashek. Uh, we trained half at Wilford Hall and half at Brook Army. Uh, now they've kind of combined into one entity with the base realignment and closure several years back. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a big thing with like being out there and you'll see on social media, why there are so many pseudo names and half names and non names for docs and a lot of nurses. And, you know, the reality is, is that, um, a a lot of times docs will get away with things um, because they don't work for the hospital or they're like a contract or a, however you guys do it. I don't know how you do it, but I'm a hospital employee. Same. So they me by the balls. Um, so 
it is a little risky to to kind of be out there. But with that risk comes the benefit of knowing like I am ethically like standing by what what I believe is right. Right. Um, and, and if someone disagrees with that, do I really want to work with for them sure. anyways? Um, and also a place of privilege or right. So, I mean, there's different levels of that. And um, then it, it is a little weird to think like, wow, I am going to be, you know, we're going to be relocating this summer. And like, what if, you know, whoever is hiring me, like, <laughs> what if the HR what? director was like, Hey, wait a minute. I saw her on the TV. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's a little different. Yeah. Um, a, little, a little strange. Uh, yeah. My wife is kind of the same. My wife was first and foremost worried that I'm going to get us murdered, not fired. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she's asked me before, she's like, what do you want to come of this? And I was like, I don't know, really. I said, I'm not sure that I have an end destination in mind. I said, I just feel like I've been given a voice and that I, as long as they will let me fight for the right thing. I will just continue. I'll do it until it fades away. And I'm sure it's, it's already starting to fade. I'm sure. Um, but you know, if I've, if I've helped some people or made some people, you know, if somebody got vaccinated, that wasn't gonna, it was worth it. Right. Dude. I love that. Like the way that you explained it, like, that's perfect. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I'll just go. Yeah, and, and, and not to lie about it. It's also a little bit, and you have to be careful. It's a little intoxicating, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to, to downplay the, the quirks of being internet famous or, or having a spot on TV and people seeing you, it's, it's hard not to have some degree of ego about that, you know? Um, and so you just have, I think have to be careful with what you do and what you say. I mean, I tend to pop off, you know, I, 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 every now and again, you'll see me saying some bullshit on, uh, on the TV that they clip and they like, and, and, you know, I throw them that bone. That is, that is, that is not without, forethought i don't know what they're going to ask me but i know that they like my one-liners um and as long as i throw one they'll keep having me back right so that's funny yeah yeah but uh it is interesting um you know because you assume that all those people following you on the internet are your friends and you look and you're like oh i've got seventeen thousand people who want to see what i have to say Hmm. um but Mm -hmm. i i had a i tweeted just a couple of weeks ago a couple of maybe a couple of months but um, and it was really not, it was a made up case, kind of an amalgamation of cases that I've seen over the years, but it really had nothing to do with the case. And it was really discussing the emotions that go around critically taking care of a critically, critically sick baby. Um, and the next morning I have a phone call from the vice president of outpatient affairs, uh, saying oh. that they had received several phone calls that I had a HIPAA violation on the internet. And I was like, no, I didn't. And she was like, well, you know, we, we, we checked and we didn't see any patients like that recently. I'm like, it's cause it's not a real patient. I'm not a fucking moron. I was like, but it's nice yeah. to know that people are out there burning me quickly, like quickly when there was the, even a thought that maybe I screwed up, there was phone calls to the vice president, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like fully prepared for that. For sure. Um, and you know, I, I use discretion and we'll, purposely change genders or times or ages or whatever. Um, very vague. But so keep it truthful, but you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and then it's weird for me too. Like, uh, I, I got, I don't know, like, like what you're saying, it's like, you're, I was hesitant to, to really share a lot at first because I, like I explained before, I was upset and I was emotional 
And then I also thought in the back of my mind, there's a whole lot of people out there who are going to have something to say. And I don't know if I'm strong enough for that. Like, I don't know if like regular Tuesday Ashley, you know, with three kids driving a minivan, doing all the things is like, is strong enough to take all that criticism. Cause that's a lot. Like when they really come for you. Yeah, like, it's hard. Um, it's hard. I've always been pretty thin skinned. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a fragile little psyche who, you know, I want everybody to like, I have this pathologic need to be liked and understood. Most of all understood. Like if you, yes. if you sent something right. bad coming out of me, like even from patient doctor to patient, when they'll, they'll come at me and say, you just said X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, I didn't, you know? And I'm like, and, and it's so important to be understood. And when people intentionally don't, and they come at you in bad faith, it, it takes a minute. Uh, yeah. To, Did we bring that on the Air Force? What's that? That's interesting. I said, did we learn that in the Air Force? I just, I just think, you know, I used to, I, I always had the performer's ego. Um, I used to want to be a singer and this and that. And so I am hypercritical of myself. And so when I sense somebody else criticizing me, it just, it, it, it rubs me raw a little bit, but uh, I've gotten a lot thicker skinned on this. Cause I realize there's a lot of freaking morons out there making comments. So yeah, it's weird. And then it's like super weird too. I don't know if you guys have experienced the, this and I, I mean, I don't tend to talk about it too much, but um, you know, the people, you know, in like your actual real life, you're like your personal life, your, your family um, members or your friends um, that for like, or for whatever reason are like anti, you know, vaccine or whatever suddenly. And it's like, dude, you texted me like what your rash was last year before COVID. And now you won't take my advice to get the freaking vaccine. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always tell them. I'm like, you, like when I'm having that conversation with parents about vaccines in general, not even COVID or, or a patient, I'm like, you trust me enough to come to me when you are in extremis. I was like, and when I am telling you, I am more sure of this vaccine or, or the efficacy of vaccines than I am sure about anything we've talked about today. I was like, I am more sure, but you choose to disbelieve me on that. I'm like, why don't you just do all this yourself? I was like, you know, yeah. fuck. Yep. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's really interesting because, uh, because I felt that, um, from some in-laws of mine. Um, and, uh, and then it was funny because like a couple of days later, like the insurrection happened and I was like, Hmm, what did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I didn't even have to say anything. I was just like, family Christmas after that. Or that Sounds like you and I have similar uh, family. Well, like I said, there's uh benefits. Yeah. There are a lot of, uh, sacrifices but there are benefits to uh being a military family and moving around for sure so yeah i think my 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 wife misses those days so i had a question just kind of in alignment with what we talk about a lot in the podcast is you had said something about at the end of your stint um in the icu i was broken right yeah what steps did you take to kind of rebuild yourself after kind of that horrific period Okay, so therapist one, um, and then for me, twenty milligrams of citalopram daily. <laughs> Get that SSRI on you. Better living through chemistry. Speak to your own doctor. Don't take medical advice from a nurse with uh, PTSD. But uh, yeah, um, no, for real. Uh, all joking aside, definitely talked to my therapist. Definitely um, started some medications that I thought I didn't need, but clearly, once I, you know, was you know, 2020, uh, 
looking back, you know, your vision's 2020. And so it's almost like the same thing as like, um, women will understand this, that I've had children. Um, like you didn't realize you had postpartum depression until like you realized like, wow, that was terrible. Um, same thing. And so, um, some of the steps that I took was just like, I mean, I just leaned into like my, you know, my support group, really. Um, I have some moms here that are also military spouses that, um, we had like a stroller workout group, as silly as that sounds, but, um, it's a thing. And so while we were doing online workouts together because, um, of COVID, we weren't outside working out together. They were really the ones who, you know, stepped up and said, what can we do for you? What, what can we do to be present? And, um, that and then talking to my doctor and then unfortunately I'd have a foot surgery in December and nobody likes a nurse that can't walk. So, um, I took some time off and then we didn't end up moving to DC and we were still here in El Paso. And I, you know, saw this job for at the university, um, medical center where I'm at. And, um, I thought, okay, it's just PRN. Like I'll just apply Like what's the worst that can happen. And, um, and then they, they called me and they were like, oh, we'll interview you. Like, let's set up an interview, all that. I got the job. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going back. <laughs> and uh, my husband was like, well, he's like, honestly, I think it's good because you were so burnt in so many ways. Like you needed to see and still have faith, you know, that there's still good people. There's still good systems. There's still you know, people that don't die every time they go to the hospital, that type of thing, you know, just coming from that just extreme um, and going back into kind of like normal healthcare is as weird as that sounds. Um, and at a different system that thinks a different way, it kind of did restore my faith some. Um, so time off a doctor, hmm. good friends and family that you can confide in. Um, and, and then, and then kind of like a, a better fit for me um, professionally um, was was really a healing aspect for me. And so and now even, you know, I, I you know, we still have COVID patients, um, but it is in a different dynamic. And um, now with the vaccine, I mean, I I didn't get the vaccine when everybody got it here because I wasn't working as a as a nurse as soon as it came out. Um, it came out like early December, I think. Um, and I wasn't working at the time. Um, and so I just got mine, I want to say I got my first one beginning of February when I started my, at my new job and I cried. I didn't realize. And I think that is, is what helped restore. That's, that's another thing on the list is, uh, just the vaccine. I didn't realize how relieved I would feel and how emotional I would feel when I got it. Um, cause then I was kind of like, wow, I'm not going to bring this shit home to my kids. You know, like I was like, Ooh. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely liberating, uh, a very liberating experience. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I'm glad that you had that support system built in and, and it's good that you actually took the steps that we as healthcare professionals always recommend to our patients and very few of us actually access those systems, you know, yeah. um, there's a lot of docs. I mean, I recommend therapy and medications and stuff like that every single day. And I tell them this can help you. And then you go home and you drink or, you, yeah. you know, you suffer silently and it's so hard to take your own advice. And I'm glad that you took your own advice because uh, clearly you're better for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely, I'm not a perfect person or a perfect patient what? at all. Come on. But, yeah. um, 
but it's, it definitely is interesting. I'll even find myself like, you know, telling patients, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And then I'm thinking like, okay, Ashley, do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Self-care yeah. is often the hardest for caregivers. Well, that's awesome. And now we're moving into 2021. We've probably taken up way more of your time than you anticipated us taking up today. Uh, but uh, it's been awesome to put a voice. Well, I've, I already knew your voice because uh, I've seen you on the TV. Uh, but it's good to hear like your story kind of stretched out because seeing it in sound bites and by tweet, you don't really get to feel it. So uh, I know you've got a lot of people out there who really like what you're doing. So I appreciate you coming and spending some time with us today. Oh, no, like- I think that my favorite tweet you ever did, though, is the one where you were doing that like plank thing and you moved your arms and your husband moved his arms and he fell forward and hit his face. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he totally smacked, didn't he? <laughs> he did. And I was like, can I post this? And he was like, well, I mean, would you want me to, would you want to be like on someone's like viral stuff if like you were like busting your face on the ground? And I was like, well, no. Well, the best part of the, the best part of the video was how hard you laughed at him. Was like, yes. Yeah, you laughed <laughs> real hard. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, he was like, I'll let you, and I was like, yes, because yeah. like, I'm an ass. I mean, I mean, I'm like, clearly, you're the one who like got pranked on this. So I'm going to show <laughs> that to my, I got to find that and show that to my wife because she finds never-ending hilarity in people falling and smacking something and falling downstairs. Like, she loves the, the Three noise, Stooges, you know, all that. The noise he made, like, nah. and like his glasses and then i like just die laughing i'm That's like oh laugh. my god this is so that was that prank just it's the way you're all center of gravity works right yep. is that the one that was going around yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i mean it's totally skewed for us too because i'm like bottom heavy and he's yeah. shoulder heavy so like we're yeah. like oh. <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's, that, was it was, that was fun <laughs> awesome so um at the end of all these things we we always like to ask our guests uh which one did you like talking to better me or brandon no i'm just oh. kidding. i'm just kidding <laughs> we don't you can tell me that you can tell me after uh, stop recording no, I'm he just talks where I'm a listener. yeah oh yeah that's funny because i found steve like a long time ago you did a podcast or something I don't know. I was on it was po- back when we had like 12,000 followers only. <laughs> um, I was on um, with uh, House of Pod. If you were listening to House of Pod, you yeah, might have heard me with him. Me. Yeah. It was them. And um, you, uh, when, and once I realized you cursed and you were in the Air Force and um, you were uh, emergency medicine, I was like, he's my people. Yeah. Like, he's cool. And um, there was something you tweeted that I just really liked. Um, oh, I think it was about like being deployed to Iraq and stuff. Oh, and- that was that war and mental health thing. Yeah, that's that's what started my Twitter career, basically. I, was like, I like this guy. Yeah. And um, then I listened to you on House of Pod and I was like, oh, he, he's actually pretty cool. And then Taylor texted me and told me about Brandon. And I don't know how all of you guys know each other. Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Well, oh, that- Twitter, oh, Facebook. Yeah. Me and Brandon know each other from Facebook. Uh, it's all fake. It's all fake. I love it. Um, I, I wish that uh, Taylor was 15 years younger and single because I was determined to make him my son-in-law because uh, he's got such a pretty face. And uh, uh, he's my, I always tease him. He's my uh, Twitter boo. Uh, but uh, Taylor Nichols, I love you. I love you. I love you, Taylor. We'll see uh, you on here soon. So, uh, so but uh, yeah. So no, it's just all like this, you know, the year of 2020, we were all locked down. So I've made better friends. I have better friends 
in my virtual life than I do in my real life at times. You know, they're as real, more real because I spend more time talking with them and stuff. So same. I mean, I have to I lose all my friends every other year and then I move. Sure. And then all just in my phone. Yeah. So absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes it can be a little lonely, but I awesome. I couldn't connect with people, right? So Right. All right. Well we shall so let Brandon, you have anything else, brother? I don't. I'm gonna go no. for a run. Ashley, you're a superstar. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Ash. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye. See ya. As promised, here's some of the blooper reel of this complete shit show of an episode. First segment I'd like to call Ashley B's Shower Thoughts. Oh my. I don't like this one. I look prettier on Zoom. Hmm. What's happening? We've been having a blonde moment. That would be funny. <laughs> Ew, why is my name like that? My name looks wrong. I look wrong. What's happening? Probably sound wrong too. I'm all alone. Hair is kind of crazy. I don't hear anyone. It's so zoomed in. Zoom out. Zoom rooms to go. I wonder if we drink. I mean, they're emergency medicine. I can basically copy paste this exact same sound clip into every fucking episode because Steve can never figure out simultaneously his camera, microphone, and speakers or headphones or whatever contraption he's using and he just okay boomers every single time are you talking nope can you hear me fuck i can't hear you i can't hear you everything's supposed to be on i've got my volume at max i'll just like talk and you all fill it around me how's that no, God damn it. Let me see. This is supposed to be working. It says everything's in. I still can't hear you fuckers. I'm going to have to log on to this other computer, Brandon, but then you won't get to see my pretty face. Okay. I'm logging off. Go fuck yourself. I'll be.
That won't let me leave. Sap is bullshit. God damn it, I told you. I told you you were recording, fool. <laughs> I know, I was like, my thing says not recording. And I was, you're sitting there talking, and I was like, I don't think this is recording. <laughs>